You know, as we come to the end of this phase of our life, we find ourselves trying to remember the good times and trying to forget the bad times. And we find ourselves thinking about the future. We start to worry, thinking, what am I going to do? Where am I going to be in 10 years? Art is defined as the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty and emotional power. In a normal year, artists will be creating swirls and dives of bright colors across canvas, performing to crowds who they've inspired and in turn been inspired by, telling stories across vast mediums or a countless number of other creative outlets that our world has been so lucky to have. But COVID has audiences isolating at home. It has venues shuttered and it has events canceled. On this episode of Welcome Back, I'm joined by artists of different backgrounds. A costume designer and drag performer, a documentary filmmaker, and a tattoo artist. Kate Napier is a costume designer and former title holder in the world of drag and burlesque. Kate, what is that world looking like for you now? Right now, it's like footloose. You can't dance at all, anywhere. So people now, they're standing there just, here's my money, don't, you know, beforehand it was, they would dance with you, they would interact with you, you'd be able to like hug people and, you know, show your appreciation for people being able, you know, tipping you and coming out to a show that they probably didn't expect. And now it's, it's different. It's, it's like, it's, it's as if you're going to a lecture and people are just sitting and watching. They're, they can't interact like they're supposed to. They can't do much of anything else. They're there to just hopefully forget about the pandemic. And before, you know, afterwards they'd crank the music and everyone would dance and now they crank the music and it's like, okay, I guess we go get another drink and walk around aimlessly. It's a lot harder. You know, before they'd have, you know, 200 people in the bar and now they've got 40 and it's you know what nights would be making four or five hundred dollars now are making 30 maybe 40 and that's about how much the makeup costs that you put on your face that night <laughs> blake thomas is a tattoo artist in rogers arkansas blake how has your art been affected by everything so at first i mean i i was like okay this is totally uh you know you know this is acceptable this is the responsible thing to do to shut down right but then you also feel like, you know, like all these people are getting all this help and this and that. And then small business owners are getting kind of, you know, like they're getting zero help. And all touch-based businesses in Arkansas were basically the only ones that got shut down. And like for me, I might only deal with one person a day, you know. I mean, like I, it's not like when you let all those people go in Home Depot, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people a day or or whatever. I mean, I felt like there was some kind of scrutiny that could have been looked at a little more, but it is what it is. I mean, barbers, tattooers, and, you know, hair, it's just all the touch-based businesses. Like, I, I was scared for all of us because, it, you know, there really wasn't any answers for, you know, what was going to go on. I mean, uh, Arkansas shut down from like, I mean, don't quote me on this, but it was like, middle of March till it was May 6th. So 
that wasn't too bad you know i mean obviously i, I need to make money and i you know like the, your your rent the people expect their rent you know like you still have to pay them and then you you don't get any you know anything for it right and then you know even some of the people that got stimulus checks i mean like you know that's not gonna pay a rent that's not gonna you know do anything so a lot of people I was talking to were having a really, really hard time, bro. Like one of my friends, tattoos in Washington. Oh my God, they they kept them shut down from like they were shut down like six weeks before we were, all the way until July. Like I mean, he was having uh, a really hard time. Like I felt so bad for him. I mean, like he he was gonna he was worried about his rent. I mean, him where he, he could have been like homeless at that point. He's also, you know, not even from this country, so he has nobody here. And then you could imagine what he thought, right? Not even being from this country. And then like this happened, I mean, like he's like, it feels like he's on a whole nother planet, you know what I mean? Everything, like, I remember calling him one time and asking if he's okay, and he just, he straight up told me he doesn't feel like talking, man, I'm sorry. And like, I felt, you know, and I talked to him all the time, so it's not like, you know, he didn't even want someone to even, he didn't want to talk about it anymore. He was so stressed out about it. Colleen Thurston is an independent documentary filmmaker. Colleen, what has changed for you? I was working on, well, I'm still working on two documentaries. One is a feature length documentary and one is a short documentary. Um, the short documentary, I thought most of the production would be done by this summer. It's a verite style, meaning it's more observational and approach but I did want to shoot interviews that would either inform the, the narrative or would um, serve to expand the, the short documentary into a, a potential longer piece. And I have about four interviews left to shoot. And I thought, you know, I'd get that done in the spring and summer. Um, didn't happen. I work within Native American communities, and um, as as most of us know, people, BIPOC folks, Black and Brown folks, are being dispro disproportionately affected by COVID. I also am working on that particular film. Some of the folks that I wanted to interview were um, elders, you know, over 50, 60, well, one woman, in her 80s um, so I just wasn't going to approach them for an interview at this time at this point like that production that film is probably not going to be done at the earliest until next fall fall 2021 so that's been pushed back a good year artists have had to adapt as many projects have been canceled or put on hold a survey by the Americans for Arts a nonprofit organization based in Washington, D.C., found that 62% of artists were fully unemployed. Kate, what kind of cancellations like that happened to you? You know, we, we had a big event set in April that was supposed to happen at a club that I was supposed to perform at for burlesque, and we pushed it back, and it had to be canceled, and it pushed it back, and it had to be canceled, and we've canceled it three times now, and it's one of those things where we couldn't even get enough... Um, supporters or vendors to be able to be there to justify having an event. It would have been, you know, friends and family watching a burlesque show of one, <laughs> you know, versus it being, you know, a, an inclusive event and being able to see all these different people. It's a different world. And, you know, a lot of the bars here 
just opened up to be able to do the drag shows live now. We've been seeing cyber drag shows since the beginning of the pandemic when bars shut down. And it's hard because you're not getting those tips directly to you. You're splitting them with four or five other people. And you can only do that for so long and expect, you know, it, it's a di- it's hard to perform to a camera versus performing to a crowd. Plain and simple. We've all had to make adjustments. But for artists, it's been essential to pivot and invent creative ways to connect with audiences and earn a living. Colleen, I know you were able to do some work on another film that's based more outdoors. How has the production in the field shifted for you? You know, it's been more expensive for for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, uh, the production that I have been working on a little bit is mainly located in southeastern Oklahoma, which is like two and a half, three hours away. And normally, you know, I would pile just my crew into the car and we'd go. Well, my crew, I want to be really respectful of what they feel comfortable with. Um, So the shoot that we did undertake this summer, uh, it was a two-day shoot. We spent overnight down there. Um, We all drove separately. They all wanted to drive separately. So I'm paying them mileage on top of their day rate, right? Which is a lot. I also typically, I, I tend to just buy people's meals on set, on shoots, um, rather than pay a per diem. Um, but because we weren't just going to take a break in the middle of the day and go into XYZ Diner, I said, okay, why don't, like, everybody just plan on bringing sandwiches, things like, like, I'll have stuff for sandwiches, quesadillas, things like that, but, like, everyone just bring your own, and I'll give you a per diem. So, the cost has gone up a lot, right? So, that's been a little, um, I actually ended up using my, now, this, this project is grant-funded, but it's grant-funded on a budget that I... (laughs) had previously made that didn't take into COVID consideration. So I actually ended up using my um, stimulus um, payment to fund that when I would have liked to maybe not, but I'm, it is what it is. The logistics, like working in rural communities where you don't have like cell phone service, but you're driving separately. So you always like have to make sure you know where you're going, you know where you're gonna be, printing out maps rather than like somebody they're all just like jumping in with me so that's kind of the financial side of things and then I asked everyone to take a COVID test a few days before and it was free by that time so that was not really a big deal I kind of said like hey just be mindful everyone except for our sound guy like mostly quarantined for a few days just to make sure between the time that they took the COVID test and the time that we took off that you know not exposing themselves anymore but you know there's that it's a lot of weirdness you know you'd want to get closer to people when you're shooting them and you but you don't um kind of reframing like I mean I'm even thinking about things like since this is documentary, like people, characters within the, within the film have masks on at certain points. So it's like, do I ever address that? Or do I just leave that in as like a relic of the time and people will watch this film a hundred years from now and think, oh, this was probably shot 2020 or shortly thereafter. Um, and, and so it's, it's also like those kind of like 
storytelling elements. Like we talk about how everything in the frame matters. Everything in the frame provides meaning. Well, if I include a participant in the, in the frame, in the story that's wearing a mask, is that also going to provide some sort of like politicizing of the message of the story? Does that, does that have any political implications? Whether it should or not, or does or doesn't, will it be read as such? And I'm likely. Many artists have responded to this challenge with a kind of ingenuity you'd expect from highly creative minds. While the way we're used to doing business in the art world has temporarily changed, artists are finding new ways to innovate, move online, and stay connected. We may be mourning the loss of canceled events, shows, and fairs, but there are new opportunities to connect and bring art to new audiences during this time. Kate, do you think the virtual drag will continue even as things open back up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I, I feel as if people who are definitely being more cautious how they should be, or how we all should be, um, people still appreciate them. Even people who have never been able to, you know, the younger generations who can't go to drag shows, you know, they're too young right now, you know, under 18, you can't really do that. But they get to be able to experience them, not in the way that is the most ideal, but they can still show their support for local performers. I definitely think it's something that's going to stick around for a while, but probably not... You know, we might get up, you know, new and improved ways of doing it, but it's always going to be a, a a different world. I mean, it's, it's not like you're making a lip sync video that you can edit and <laughs> put on TikTok. <laughs> all of us are, you know, we all talk about how, you know, we've been honing our craft the best we can during this time. There's queens that are doing just TikTok videos and making money off of that and getting a bunch of followers and you know supporters but in the long run it doesn't pay the bills a lot of the a lot of people who do drag it's a source of income for them to be able to pay their bills you know for me i consider drag it's an experience and it's something i get to do and include my friends and my family and in on it and also showcase my designs and costuming work attention to detail whereas you know i use that money to pay for future costumes that money isn't paying my bills but there are people who depend on that to pay their bills and it's scary to think okay what if drag becomes strictly virtual in the future or dies out in the next couple of years or year who knows but i feel as if because of things like true falls drag race you know it's made a boom and it's it's got a little bit longer to live compared to where it has been Colleen, you're also a professor at the University of Arkansas. Besides not being able to work on your films, what are some of the other challenges that COVID has brought? The other aspect is not just like COVID safety precautions. It's like I went from, you know, working full time to still having a full time job, but all of a sudden not having any childcare for my son. And so basically, I mean, that was for from March until like July really so I went to being like full-time mom my partner is it works in healthcare, and at the time he was working in the emergency room so he's well he's still exposed to COVID all the time um, but at that time it was every shift he didn't have PPE so he like a lot of the time just had like a surgical mask that was it um, and so we knew we were like, I mean, I remember the day he came home and he said, like, I don't remember the words, but it was basically like, this is, 
I just had, I was just exposed to somebody and I was like, okay, so quarantine happens now. And I mean, even at that time I was like, oh, this is two weeks, right? Like we're all still being cautious, but this quarantine, not leaving my house thing, this is only going to be for two weeks. And that turned into months and months. Um, so that obviously had a big effect on my, um, on my work. And uh, as you may have heard, you know, women are, are being disproportionately affected in the workplace. Um, I don't feel like, like what's happened in my personal family life has been because I'm a woman. I feel like it's because of the career paths that we were in. The fact that I immediately went to working remotely versus he couldn't. And so I just didn't have time. I didn't have time to do anything. I'm chasing a kid around and trying to deliver classes and grade. And I mean, I'm still kind of in that predicament. It's a, li it's a little bit better. But, um, you know, that's been just as much as an effect as, as, as the safety precautions have been. As artists, we want to maintain a healthy and strong art community. So if you have spare time, energy, or resources, Think about how you can contribute to connect with and help other people during this crisis. Colleen, is there any good that you think will come out of this in reference to the future of filmmaking? One thing that I'm really hopeful about is this conversation of sustainability, especially within the documentary world, has taken on new meanings. People are talking about mental health. People are talking about childcare or elder care we're talking about some radical reforms we're talking about asking funding agencies to consider you know, having line item budgets that say child care producers child care producers elder care mental health so many documentaries tackle some really heavy subjects and if we're talking about career sustainability if you're getting overwhelmed by a subject you should have access to mental health care, right? You should have a therapist. You should have your sub, you should be able to offer that to your participants in the film or your crew, right? So these kinds of conversations are coming up um, within this topic of sustainability, which I think is really awesome. And people are kind of um, collectivizing these thoughts and demanding change. Kate and I actually had plans to make a film together, and the pandemic has put that on hold. And while we're doing everything that we can right now, we have no idea when we'll be able to start or what production will even look like. It's going to take me a second to make the costumes, but we'll be able to kind of get a better idea as to where we're aiming for, because I mean, we don't know, you know, we're not a, on a huge production crew. <laughs> We've done a film together before. We don't have the ability to say, you need to go get COVID tested every single day and come back negative. You know, one person getting COVID could ruin it for all of us. Now more than ever, I think people realize the importance of public art. It has the capacity to bring joy, to bring wonder, to bring a glimpse of hope during this time that is so challenging and difficult. The arts have always brought us together. Artists continue to innovate in the face of recent challenges and inspire the world around them to find new ways of connecting. Blake, we've talked about your plans for the future, and I know you're looking past COVID to develop something really special. Let's talk about that a little bit. 
I mean, our plan for the future is to keep growing our business, to stay in Rogers and to make downtown, my downtown spot, our home. And to, like I said, build a team of custom tattoo artists. I mean, like we're tired of moving. We want to, we want to, we want to stay somewhere, you know, grow some roots, give my kids some stability and me to us to finally feel balanced and not like we're just in this rat race trying to uh, go somewhere. You know what I mean? I think we're here. You know what I'm saying? So I just, I just really want to do that. I want to get down there. I want to get comfortable. I want to be able to paint again. You know, I have those huge windows downtown. I want to be able to show people. I want to be able to let people see like awesome pieces like I did on you. Just think if somebody was able to come in, you know, while I was doing that, that would make both of us feel really good. You know, it's not like I, I, I need and I'm worried about getting booked out farther, but I it, don't really care about that anymore. And it's really not about money. I'd rather just share. I want to share like, like I want to share like my business, my family. I think, you know, we are a really cool, di diverse, dynamic family that people could feel like this is an awesome one of a like diamond in the rough kind of thing. Like this is just like, you know what I mean? Like it's like. I want to really make it special down there and make people go, wow, that's, that is, that is a really, really cool place to go. And even people that don't get tattooed, my shop and what we're going to have inside would be, it's just going to be cool enough to where you could even want to go in and check it out and you don't even need a tattoo, but you would come out and being like, you know, that person is a great artist. His kid was up there. His, you know, his wife is in the front. Like that's a special thing for a small business. We want to show people that and who we are, you know? Kate, what words of wisdom do you have for our fellow creatives out there who might be struggling? Sometimes it just takes removing yourself from your creative space and putting yourself in a situation you would never expect. So we went hiking in the mountains. I don't hike. I don't like the outdoors. <laughs> I'm in the indoor. I'm pretty comfortable with it. But it gave me an idea of seeing how certain fabrics garments and, and how I would create costumes for whatever I'm working on next, how they would move outside and how they would work outside. It takes getting out of your comfort zone, especially right now, in a safe way to be able to let your creative juices run. We continue to lose people to this pandemic. Critical resources are stretched and the very essence of our freedom is shrinking and we're moved inward to the vast inner space of our thoughts and imagination, a place we have perhaps neglected. Of all the necessities we now feel so keenly aware of, the arts and their contribution to our well-being is evident. For some, there are more pressing needs, but momentary joys, even in dire circumstances, often come through the arts and collective expression. My name is Shane White, and I wanna thank you with all of my heart for listening to Welcome Back. I wish you all the best, and I look forward to seeing what you create next. I would like to end our adventure with a quote from Robin Williams, from one of his most inspirational films. Because in the end, none of us have very long on this earth. Life is fleeting. And if you're ever distressed, Cast your eyes to the summer sky When the stars are strung across the velvety night And when a shooting star streaks through the blackness Turning night into day
make a wish. Make your life spectacular. Thank you and farewell for now.